we kind of looked at um, how we can be uh, an eagle-like Christian and looking at some of the attributes of an eagle and seeing how those things apply to our Christian faith in terms of transferable principles. This morning, um, we're going to speak about one other bird in the Bible. Uh, some person said they thought I was going to speak about this, the, the dove, and some said they thought I was going to speak about the raven. But this morning, we're going to speak about the sparrow. Amen? And the title of the sermon is, God is watching over you. Amen? And I, I, want, I want that to be the, the one thing if you, you walk out of here with this morning, to know and walk out with the confidence that God is watching over me. He's not just looking out for me, He is watching over me. It's a consistent, uh, constant pattern of God to watch over His sons and His daughters. And that includes you. It may not feel that way all the time. It may not look that way, but God is watching over you. Life may be difficult now and things may be tough right now, but he's watching over you and he's watching out for you. So take confidence in that. When, when God's word is spoken, either through song or instrument or through a sermon, and we hear it, we have a responsibility, firstly, to apply it to ourselves before we... we the word ought to go in before it goes out. It means that you're here this morning because God wants you to hear. I don't want you to hear this sermon and say, yes, long time. It's a long while I've been waiting for a pastor to preach this or to say this so that my wife could hear, so that my, my husband could hear, so that my daughter could hear, so that my mother could hear. The first thing we ought to do is to receive the word for us, and then we begin to apply it. Then we can teach the word to others. So you're here by divine appointment. You had to be here this morning, though you may not have wanted to, because God wanted you to be here. And maybe it was a song. That, that God ministered to you in, but God ministers to you outside of the spoken word. Amen? Sometimes it takes you walking into a building and just, you're just there and you know that God just gave you a word. He confirms something. He, 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 he brings clarity to something. So be open to hearing the voice of God. Above what I say, you need to hear Jesus this morning. Because I'm not the answer, I'm not the solution. The Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth is this morning. Amen? So our key text this morning is Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, we're reading from verse 29 to 31. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. And I'm going to ask you to... As usual, we stand for the reading of God's word. We reverence his holy word. We lift our Bibles up in declaration. Hallelujah. So I'm going to ask you one more time, if you don't mind, to jump to your feet with me. And after this, you get to sit down and I stand for the rest of the sermon. So don't feel bad about it. I, I, I will be standing, all right? And you'll be sitting down. Amen? Come on, just lift the Bibles up if you read it this week. If you did not read it this week, still lift it up. Hallelujah. Amen. And declare with me that this is God's word, not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I boldly declare... Oh, today... I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus name. Amen. Remain standing and I will read for you. Right? I don't know if you know that God is a bird watcher. Right? So he is. The scripture says this. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without... And you, you must always notice scripture. It's speaking about the sparrow, but it doesn't say without their heavenly father. It, 
it changes the language. So it is using, uh, some people call it a, a, a simile, right? So it is saying, listen, like the sparrow, but you are not the sparrow. And the next word is important. It says, without your father knowing it. In other words, it didn't say their father. It never included the sparrow being children, but it's very specific. All right, so it's saying, listen, if your father is doing that for sparrows, that's basically what he's saying. And the sparrows are not his children. Think about him being your father, what he's going to do for you. All right? It says, without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So then, I love this part. Don't be afraid. Amen? Do you know that the Bible says, fear not or do not be afraid 365 times in scriptures? I'm telling you, God, I mean, God, God is, God is classic. Only, only a great God could, could like, could like, Give so many different authors in so many different times scriptures to write, and it, like 365 times, it says, "Do not be afraid or don't fear." You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Hallelujah! Could walk out of church. I'm valuable. Do you know that if, 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 if sparrows, if like pairs of sparrows had like 10, what, what do you call it, young each, like they could, they could make the whole place dark, it would be trillions of them. Trillions of sparrows would be in the world. And here's what happened. God knows everything about every single one. Right? And, and, and they don't really belong to him, quote-unquote, as a father. Think about you in that light. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word, for thine word is truth. Open your eyes, open our eyes to see your truth, our ears to hear your voice, our minds to understand your word, and our hearts to receive everything you have in store for us. Cause us to be more than mere hearers of your word, but do us also. Lord, we give you the glory we give you the honor and we give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Listen, um, like I said, I like watching birds. I mean, in Jamaica, I don't know what it is like in the States, but we don't, I don't get to see birds a whole lot in Jamaica anymore. There was a time growing up as a child that birds were a common thing. I mean, it, we have like people used to tell me that birds were called grass quit. Birds were called, yeah, blackbird. You had bald dove, you had bald plate, you have pigeons, you had, I mean, I mean, you have parrot, I mean, some green ones, you had woodpeckers, and I mean, all kind of birds. You understand me? Doctor bird, hummingbird, garlic, I mean, I, I mean, we have different, I mean, there are so many birds. Listen, we don't see birds as often. In fact, there's a time because of how the country was that at Christmas, for example, people would have to put their sorrel out in the yard and they would have to watch it or the birds would come and pick it and all of those things. Or when they, they had their corn and they would, what they call, shell the corn out and have the grains and they have it on these um, material on the ground. They would send you out as a child to ensure that the birds don't come and, 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 and pick on the corn or pick on the, the gungo peas that they had out there, stuff like that. We don't see those things anymore. I mean, I mean, birds, birds are afraid nowadays. They stay away. You understand me? Yeah, I mean, I, I would walk into the towns and I would see um, pigeons just, just flying all over the place and stuff. We don't get to see that anymore, but, but they are still around. So I like watching birds. I like seeing what they call the woodpecker pecking in the tree and just see how they start and they create this big hole and sometimes it goes right through and then they go inside and they put their, their beaks out and stuff. I'm like a bird watcher, right? I, I, I like that. You know, you know, you know, hey, just get on to the real stuff, right? 
But um, um, some of us might watch birds out of interest or curiosity. Um, some of you may watch birds like dove, quails, hummingbirds, and woodpeckers. But my favorite bird to watch is chicken and ducks. Right, but my intent in watching them is cooking and eating them. Right, <laughs> so I really enjoy watching those. I, I enjoy watching like a cooked chicken. Like, like chicken is my favorite thing to eat. You understand me? So I like watching chickens. That's a, that's a nice chicken to eat right there. I'm telling you right now. You are thinking like, oh, this pastor is so unholy. You eat chicken too. So, so I'm not, I'm not alone in this. But God watches the sparrow, and He watches you, and He watches me. As the song puts it, why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. I love this because I looked at the original version of the song. Because many times I'll see people sing and say, His eyes are on the sparrow. And they use eyes. But it says I. And here's why that is critical for us to understand. When God is looking, it's not plural eyes like human. It's eye. He becomes eye. When God is walking, he becomes foot. When God is touching, he becomes hand. He is, he is, he is everything. When the scripture says he's everything, if he is hearing, he is ear. It's not ears because he doesn't need two. He becomes what he needs to do. When he's healer, when he's healing, he becomes a healer. When he's leading, he becomes a shepherd. You, you understand? So when he says, it, it's not eyes. God, God don't need eyes to see. God is eye. God is ear. When he speaks, his mouth. He is what he needs to be in doing what he needs to do. So his eye is on the sparrow, not eyes. Because if you begin to say eyes, you're going to look in human form that because I have two eyes, God must have two eyes. Because I have two ears, oh, God must have two ears. That's not how God is. God is spirit. And he becomes everything he needs to be. Amen? But the question this morning is really, why would God care about the sparrows? Why would God care about me? Why would God care about me? There are some of us who we don't feel like our parents care about us. We don't feel like our spouse care about us. We don't feel like our children care about us. But why then would God care about us? Why does he watch us? Why would God, with all the things that God could be doing, take time to watch over you consistently and constantly? Why? We're going to answer those questions this morning. Number one is that he watches us because he wants to enjoy us. God wants to enjoy you. Hey, God wants to enjoy you. God wants you to know that he enjoys you. I know you don't feel like, really, God can't enjoy me? Do you know what I've been through? Do you know how I am? L- listen, no, no, none of that matters because here, here's why. We are valuable to him. You are valuable. And your value is not determined by what your mother said about you. Or what your father said about you. Or what your boyfriend said about you. Or your girlfriend said about you. Or your spouse or your pastor. Your value is determined by what God declares about you. He says you are fearfully and wonderfully made in his image and his likeness. You are the apple of his eyes. Listen, you are so valuable that long before you knew God, God sent his only begotten son to die to Give up his life. His life was not taken from him. He was not murdered. He gave up his life for you. That's how valuable you are. So if you ask me what's the value of my life. The value of my life is the precious blood of Jesus. The irreplaceable blood of Jesus. So you can't buy me. 
You can't pay me off. You, because this life was purchased with the blood of the Lamb of God. That's how valuable I am. It means that my value is going to be kept. I, I, don't, I don't depreciate. Come on. L- listen. The, the, the fluctuation in the currency don't change the value of my life. Inflation rates don't affect the value of my life. The, the good thing is that, listen, whether I have a PhD, an MBA, or an associate degree, the value is still the same. Whether I live in a mansion or a shack, the value is still the same. Married or single, the value is still the same. Because the value is based on the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary's cross. You are valuable and that's why he enjoys you. In fact, he's so interested in us that the hairs of our head are numbered. When I read that, I said, can you really believe that? Like, like we tried to cut off our hair. God tried to count here you try to straighten it and cream it and curl it and and braid it and all kind of stuff with it god says i'm just sitting up in here enjoy counting it <laughs> i love god listen 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 i mean the reason why this is important right you, you, you're balling you're saying well pastor that part no listen you don't you can't even find it here on your head god is finding them and counting them even though you're bald If someone told you, I'll show you how, how crazy this sounds. If you saw someone coming from the barber with a bundle of hair and you ask them, what are you doing? And they say to you, I am going to count them. You, 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 you'd say, you know what? I need to take you somewhere. Because <laughs> something has gone wrong with your mind. Nobody does that. At no point. Because it is an f- exercise in futility for many. But God, listen, because the point is not the counting of the year. God is trying to help us to understand that you are so valuable. That the thing that you wouldn't even consider doing, God has done. It means that every, when he says one, God says, this, you are, you are valuable. Two account, what do you call it? Two strands of here, valuable. Three, valuable. In other words, God is saying that you are so valuable that I pay attention to the most insignificant detail of your own life. The hair on your head. The question then is not, does God find joy in his children? Because God finds joy in his children. God enjoys you. Amen. Listen, that's good. It's good to be around people who enjoy you. God is not accommodating you. God is not tolerating you. God is enjoying you. Amen. Have you ever gone to someone's house and you feel like they are just accommodating you? And you feel like they are just tolerating you? They don't want to tell you to leave, but oh my God. I mean, when you are gone, there is a Great rejoicing. Listen, it's different with God. When you're gone, God is tugging on your heart to come back home. Remember with the prodigal son, when he said, come here, I say, oh, you ran out and meet him. Listen, when, 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 when the people see you coming, they say, not again. You, you know what I'm talking about. You have done it. And it has been done to you. The real question is, How do we know he enjoys or rejoices over us? And then the second important question is, what is it about us that brings him joy? So let me answer the first question as to how we know that we bring him joy. Because God's word tells us that we bring him joy. Zephaniah 3 verse 17 in the New American Standard Bible says, The Lord your God is in your midst. He's in your midst. He's with you. He's not watching you from out there. He's watching you from in here. Amen? A victorious warrior. He will, he will exalt over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. 
He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Isaiah 62 verse 5 says this. For as a young man marries a virgin. This is saying that boy he's so happy. Oh my God. He's, he's, he looks and he sees his wife. That's what the picture is. It says so your sons will marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride. So your God will rejoice over you. Now the bridegroom is what we call the, is the husband. So the husband sees the wife he wants to marry walking down the aisle. And he, he's, he's overflowing with joy. That's the wife he wants to marry. If it's not the wife he wants to marry. Um, yeah. But, but, but when he looks down the aisle and he sees that woman that he says, you know, long, I've been longing to marry her. And he sees her coming down. The scripture is saying that, listen, this is how God feels about you. He feels like that husband, that, that um, bride and the groom. He feels like that groom who for the first time he's about to get married and he sees the love of his life coming. And he just says, I can't wait for this wedding to get done so we can celebrate and live in our marriage. That's how God feels about you. He enjoys you. Amen? So he enjoys his people. God enjoys you. And I know the world tells you that God don't have time for you. The world tells you that God, there, there's nothing about you that God enjoys. He does. God enjoys you. God enjoys you. I want us to understand that. So listen, I walk with a smile on my face because God is enjoying me. He's watching over me because he enjoys me. As to the question, what is it about us that he enjoys? Alright? I know they are thinking, well... What, what, what God really enjoys? Is it my looks? Is it my smile? Is it, is my, is my shape? God, God must love how I walk. He must love how I carry my hair. And, you know, um, maybe you think that these, uh, 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 you think that there are some sort of strict re- restrictions that you have to meet in order to please God, in order for God to enjoy you. I want to put it to you that God is not strict. People, God is not strict. Let me say it again. God is not strict. I know that, I know that theology teaches sometimes that, listen, if God calls you, he's going to send you to Africa as a missionary. Like, if God calls you, the first thing God is going to do is to get you to do all the things that you don't want to do. He's going to give you the ugliest person to marry. He's going to, he's going to cause you to look like, you know, you're not going to look cute anymore because you're going to carry your hair a certain way and you won't be able to wear those shorts again. You know, you can't put on any makeup. You know, God don't want you to look good. You know, if you have to come to this God, you gotta look ugly. You gotta look ugly. You gotta look normal. So don't serve him because, you you know, God is a serious God, you know. God don't joke around. So if you come into him, everything changes. Serious. No, God is not like that. And if if you have that picture of God, you need to change it. God, God loves good looking. Amen. Amen. He says you're wonderfully and fearfully made. Amen. Amen. It's about beauty and modesty. Not about ugly and sexy. So many people refuse to see themselves as people that God enjoys because they think if I serve God, everything changes for the worse. Like, like God is going to give me the worst person in the world to marry. So might as well I marry somebody good so that I don't get who God has in I don't know. And, and I'm telling, listen, I, I know this because growing up, and people say, listen, you need to surrender your life to the Lord. I always thought that if I ever started serving God, God is going to send me to some places to talk to some people like Jonah. And I know I would not survive in the fish belly. So I said, that's not for me. I'll wait until I'm a little older when I finish enjoying life. And, many, and that's it. People want to enjoy life first and then after they have enjoyed life, they can come and come back to God. That's not how it works. So I'm going to give you the simple things that pleases God. They are not hard. 
it, listen, pleasing God, it has nothing to do with the clothes you wear. Amen? Amen. Do you know that it is okay to wear a bath suit? Amen? A bath suit. A bathing suit. Oh, sorry. A bathing suit. Do you know as a Christian you can wear a bathing suit? Alright, hold on. You're not not sure? (laughs) Yeah, you can wear your bathing suit. Listen, God don't expect you to... God... Very good, Pastor. To the beach, of course, what do you think? Oh man. It's okay. It's okay. Alright? So what pleases God? Number one, faith. Like God enjoys when we live our lives in faith. For the scripture says in Hebrews eleven verse six, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. You, to please God, you must live in faith, you must walk in faith, and you must practice faith. That's what pleases God. Amen. Am I? That's what God enjoys. God enjoys when he sees us operating in faith. And so if I dress modest and have no faith, I can't please God. Listen, if I never listen to secular music and have no faith, I can't please God. Amen. I know the world tells you like, don't watch. Listen, don't watch that movie. Hey, here's a good one, right? I remember. I have this friend, right? He is a pastor and they came on a mission trip. And I remember I went. They were at the, they were at the, um, the mission site and I went to them. I went to see them. And the elders and the pastor... They were smoking cigars. And I said, Hello? Cigar? And they were drinking the good old Jamaican red stripe beer. And I'm saying, You must be kidding me. The pastor and the elder, you're on mission? And you're drinking red stripe beer? And he taught me a lesson. And it was a lesson on holiness. Alright? And, and here's a lesson, alright? Do you know that something may be unacceptable to me, but it is acceptable to you? So it says, based on your past experience, your present circumstances, your future expectation, what is the wisest thing to do? So here's the thing. For one person, drinking red stripe is Okay. But based on the fact that you used to drink and drunk, and you don't want to get drunk again and mash up your marriage, don't drink it. And both of you are practicing holiness. Because if you put alcohol in your cake, you can drink it out of a bottle. Listen, if if you are permitted to drink wine then the other person must be drink, permitted to drink white rum. It's either no alcohol, and all of us are okay, or drink alcohol in obedience to God. So if God said don't drink it, don't drink it. That is why it's okay for one lady to wear her shorts and her t-shirt to the beach. And next one may want to wear her bathing suit to the beach. It doesn't make one holier than the other. Because faith is pleasing God. Am I acting in faith? Like some of you are like shocked. Uh, Listen, this is not your permission to go and drink alcohol. I want you to know, I don't smoke and I don't drink alcohol. I'm telling you that what happens is that we judge a person who drinks alcohol, but we eat it in our cake. And when we go to the fancy restaurant, we have three bottles, we have three, not bottles, that's not good, three cups of wine. We have it, glasses, 
We have it red, we have it white, and we have a mixed one. Red and white mixed together. It's a fit. What pleases God? Humility. You have to be humble. James 4, 6 says, but he gives us a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Listen, you have to walk in humility. You have to be humble. You want to please God? Just live your life in humility. It's not to think less of yourself. It's to think of yourself less. That's what humility is. I don't think I'm less than you, but I think about me less than I think about you. Because I'm not just about my own good. I'm also about the good of others. The other thing I want to tell you about humility is that if you don't humble yourself, God is going to humble you. And let me tell you, you want to humble yourself. Because you don't want God to get involved in the process because you ain't going to like it. So my advice to you is to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Lest the mighty hand of God humbles you. That, that part is not in the Bible. That just for emphasis. Number three is generosity. Generous. God enjoys when his children are generous. He enjoys that and he watches over them. God doesn't like mean. You have, you have to be kind. Kind words. Kind action. Allow the guy to go past. Yes, he's a taxi and that's how they drive. Give him, allow him to go. Give the person the chair to sit in. Be kind. Give the guy a tip. He walked with your bag for so, uh, how far? Don't, don't tell him, well, this is what you get paid to do. You get paid to carry your bag. And he carried it for you. Give him a tip. Hey, one thing with Jamaican. They love tip, but they don't tip. They are all laughing. They don't like, Pastor, that's true. <laughs> they love a tip, but you know, no, no. don't ask them about no tip in those restaurants. They ain't tipping you. But be generous. Each one must do just as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Alright, if you're a giver, then you, God watches over you because you please him and he enjoys you. Endurance. He's also one of those things that God enjoys. He loves when his children are living in endurance. You can't give up. You can't quit. You have to keep fighting. You have to keep pressing. You have to keep trusting God. Listen, I know there's a popular saying. It's not over until the fat lady sing. I'm saying to you this morning, don't let the fat lady sing and get you to stop. She don't even sing very well. It's not over until God says it is over. Don't let the fat lady end your fight. Let God tell you it is over. Don't wait on no fat lady to sing. Wait until God says it's over. And if God doesn't say it's over, then keep on working. Keep on pressing. Keep on trusting. Keep on holding on because he's watching over you. 1 Peter 2, 19-20, the scripture says, For this finds favor. So the scripture is telling you how you can walk into favor. I love this. So it starts out by saying, for this finds favor. Then it says, if for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrow when suffering unjustly. So you're going through suffering unjustly. The scripture says, if you bear up under that, you will walk and enter into favor. Then he says this, for what credit if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience. But if when you do what is right and suffer for it patiently, endure it, this finds favor with God. Wow. Endure it. People don't have to treat you right. Blessed are you when men persecute you and speak all manner of evil against you. For so they persecuted the law and the prophets. What did Jesus do wrong? 
nothing and he suffered and he endured it. Third, next is obedience. Obedience pleases God. And he enjoys us when we are obedient to him. Charles Stanley always said this. He says, obey God and leave the consequences to him. That's my word to you. This Obey God. No matter the cost, no matter the circumstances, obey God. And leave the consequences to him. Samuel said to the king in 1 Samuel 15, 22. Samuel said, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Obey God. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Obey God. I tell people, listen, it's very, like, Bible is simple. Don't let people complicate it. Just obey God. Obey God. If God says jump, jump, don't, just, just go ahead, just obey. If God says don't do, don't do. If God says do something, do it. Just obey God. It, it's that simple. We, we, we complicate it when we begin to reason with God. Because God, if God begins to speak, we can't even understand. So he has already simplified things for our understanding. And he says, obey me. Don't ask why, because when God begins to speak, you need interpretation. You need all of this. You're not going to know. God is going to ask you, where were you? When I was, when I was. And you're going to say to God, God, but I wasn't really talking about that. All I wanted to know, and God said, no, no. For me to explain to you, Job, I have to go back from before there was. So you can understand why you don't ask me why. You just obey so before God answers your question, God is going to have to teach you why not to ask him the question. So just obey. Finally, harmony. Harmony pleases God. God loves harmony. When we are living in harmony. Listen, God wants harmony in your house. In church. At the workplace. He says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It also says, How good and how pleasant it is for husband and wife to dwell together in unity. How good and pleasant it is for sons and daughters to dwell together in unity. How good and pleasant it is. Simply put, church, you have to have harmony. As much as it is up to you, be at peace with all men. At the end of the scripture in Psalm 133, it says, There the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. And he likens it to the, 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 the oil running down the beard of Aaron and the dews of Mount Hermon in Psalm 133. The idea is that where there is harmony, and that is important, that is why in church, listen, we have to get along. So let me advise you. If you're in a church and you can't talk to the people, you're in the right church, wrong church. You have to be in a church where you can have relationships. Because you're not here to just believe, you're here to belong. You have to be involved. There has to be harmony. The worst thing you can have is a house where mother and father are not getting along and daughter are not getting along and thing. There's no blessing on that house. When there is harmony, God enjoys that and he declares his blessing. So God watches because he enjoys us. He enjoys us for faith. Humility, generosity, endurance, obedience, and harmony. Secondly, he not only watches over us, he watches us because he wants to engage us. Not just enjoy us, but he wants to engage us. By that I mean he wants to interact and be occupied with us and us with him. God wants to be involved. He wants to be involved. He doesn't just want to give you things. He wants you to join him in what he's doing. And we'll work through things together. God wants us to be partners. Not beneficiaries only. You know? God don't want us to be people who want handout from him. He not only wants us to want the gifts. He wants us to want him the giver. He wants us to do this together. Right? So for instance, when we spend time talking to someone... It means that we have engaged them in a conversation. God wants to be engaged in communication through prayer and his word. So we have to talk to God. Talk to him. 
Right? The best way to talk to God is through prayer. The best way to hear from God is through His Word. So read the Word and pray. Read the Word and pray. And pray and read the Word. God wants to engage us in our struggles and He wants to engage us in our successes. He wants to engage us in our gains and He wants to engage us in our losses. He's not just there in the good times. He's God in the bad times and He's God in the good times. He promised that he would never leave you nor forsake you. He wants to be in the pit with you. He's going to be in the fire with you. He's going to be in the lion's den with you. He wants to be on the mountaintop with you. And he wants to be in the valley with you as well. He wants to be there in and in everything at all times. And sometimes we act like, oh, I mean, God is not here when we're going through hard stuff. But when we hit a high, we think like, thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus. No, he promised to never leave you nor forsake you. And he wants to interact with you. He not only observes the sparrow, but he engages the sparrow. He engages you and he also engages me. Matthew 6.26 is a good example of that. It says, look at the birds of the air. I want you to look at this because I did it earlier, right? It says, they do not sow nor reap, nor gather into barns. You see that word again? And yet what? Your... It's speaking about the birds again. But when it's about to address us, it doesn't say the the father of the birds. It says your heavenly father, right? Feeds them. So your father is taking care of birds. It says then, are you not worth more than they... Aren't, aren't you worth more than the sparrows? So if God is taking care of sparrows in your struggles, why wouldn't he take care of you in your struggles? He's a God who is personally engaged and occupied and involved with his creation. All right, I'm going to tell you about a song that as a teenager, it was one of those popular songs, but I never liked it. All right? It, it's a song by, I mean, it's okay. It, it, it was in the 90s. So if you're like 2000, you probably need to talk to your mother, your father, so they can bring you up to, up, up to date, you know. By Betty, uh, I think her name is Midler. She says, God is watching us. God is watching us. God is watching us from a distance. Like, like, I, I mean, that was such a cool song. Like, like, do you know those songs in the back? All days make you get mushy. I mean, I want to sit at your feet, lean back against you and breathe. Feel your heart beat. This love is so deep. Like, like, you know, those kind of songs, the ladies are crying. And like the men are like, <laughs> lean back against you and breathe. <laughs> right? But, but this song is kind of verse. It says, God is watching us from a distance. Let me tell you, God is not watching us from a distance. God, God is ever present. He's in our midst. That's what Ze- Zephaniah says. He says, he is in our midst. God is, listen, this, this is talking about an Old Testament experience of God. In the New Testament, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So God is watching us from the inside out, not from the outside in. You see, God is not watching us from a distance. God is in us. Amen? It's a good song. But that was the 90s. We have moved on. Amen? So, so when, when you begin to sing that song, and if you believe it, here is what will happen. We will want a God who provides but does not meddle in our business. Who helps us but does not interfere. A God who watches us but from a distance. And a God who will overlook our sins. That is the kind of God that the song is speaking about. But he is not contented to stay at a distance. He wants to engage us right where we are. 
right here. God, listen, God was in the fiery furnace with the Hebrew boys. Listen, God was the sling in David's hand and the stone that hit Goliath. Listen, God was with Samson and that donkey jawbone. God was with Moses and the rod. God, he, he wasn't a far, far God, somewhere unreachable, somewhere untouchable. He was ever present and always been. So no matter what you're going through, God wants to be engaged in our lives. Amen. That's what it means when he's watching over us. How do I know that? Because when we are worn and we are frazzled, um, hallelujah. I mean, life has a way of doing that. Man, you, you're just juggling everything. Like the clown in the circus. <laughs> oh, gee. Over here. And you're out of breath. Here's what the scripture says in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me. Are you frazzled? Are you worn by life and the relationship? The Lord says, come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. He says, listen, there is rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Meaning your mind, your emotion, and your will. God says, just come, just easy. And no life has been beating you all week, all month, all year. But come and rest. I'm not far away. I'm right here. That's the time you come and lay back and, and feel his heartbeat says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Maybe you feel you're, you're afraid and worried. And so that's why we sang this morning. Don't let your heart be troubled. Fix your eyes on this one truth. God is madly in love with you. So take courage, hold on. Be strong. Remember where your help you understand? Listen, listen. It says in the scriptures, uh, John 14, 27. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be worried. Believe in God. Believe also in me. It says, peace I leave with you. The peace that God offers surpasses human understanding. In fact, shalom, one of the words, he's Jehovah shalom. That word shalom means nothing missing. Nothing lacking. That's what it means in its original sense. It says, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. People say, well, well, I'm not worn past. I'm not afraid. But maybe you're walking in guilt of unconfessed sins. The God who wants to engage you says, I have the answer for that too. And I want to engage you. You have unconfessed sins. You are walking in guilt. He says, I want to engage you. For the scripture says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, maybe, maybe you're going through some sorrowful situation. Maybe you have lost a relationship. You have lost some money. You have lost something in your life. Lost a family member through this pandemic. Listen, and you're crying. You're weeping. Maybe you don't see the tears flowing from your eyes. But deep down in your heart, there's a pain that you're going through. Sorrowful experience. I want you to know that his word says in John eleven thirty five that Jesus himself wept when he went to where Lazarus was. He, uh, listen, listen, he wept because, but what he has he who wept is a rest resurrection and the life. So whatever thing has died in your life, whatever is causing sorrow, the God of all creation can say comfort. You need to come out of there and come out of there in a new way. Just like Lazarus came out and the scripture said, and they begin to, to unwrap him. Here's what happened. Whatever is causing your sorrow, God can call it out of you. And when it comes out, it will be a blessing to you and not a thing of sorrow anymore. So when God calls out that thing that is the Lazarus inside of you, causing your sorrow, when it comes out, it will be unwrapped and become a blessing, a place and a time of rejoicing instead of weeping because he turns our sorrow into dancing. Amen? Amen? Maybe, maybe you need help. You know, I'm going one of our gospel artists sing a song and say, You ball, help! Help me, Jesus. Right? You need help and you have called the pastor. 
pastor didn't answer. You called the prayer warriors and they said, listen, from last year, you have the same prayer request. Hey, they can't pray about it anymore. Listen, you can't pray about it. When we need help, here's what Hebrew says. Therefore, since we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, he is our high priest. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but one who has been tempted in all things as we are in other words when you come to me and you tell me a stress boy i understand what you're going through jesus says i know what you're going through because i've been through it your pastor can only understand it but don't worry i know what you are going through because i have gone through that in my experience Amen. He says, yet without sin. Therefore, what do we do? Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, in, in, in the Greeks had their gods and the Romans had their gods. But those gods were far Ah, we're far more concerned with their own goods and their own good and their own comfort and their own fulfillment, their own happiness than that of their worshippers. Those gods were to get everything and then the worshippers get the what left. But the God that we serve who revealed himself in the Son, Jesus Christ, loved us so much that before we gave him anything, he gave us his Son. He was the first to give. With all the other gods, he had to give the gods something so that the God could do something for you. God says, no, you don't need to give me anything. I'm going to give you me. And up front he says, I'm going to be the giver first. And he gave us himself. And he says, no, it's up to you. What do you do in response? It is, it is for our good that he engages us. So God is, not, God is not your sin police. When he says he wants to enjoy you, he's not coming down with a rod of correction. Ah, you got you now. Hmm. That's what you have been up to. Yes. You were in church on Sunday. Look at you Monday morning. Got you now. No, no, God. Listen, we have this idea that God is coming to get us. Like, and people say, come, God is going to turn up. Eh? Well, I ain't going. <laughs> if, if God is going to be, what? Like, listen, God is, people, people hear that God is, oh, whoa, that sounds scary. Listen, yet, don't be scared of God. God is not trying to get you. He sees and he knows. He's trying to pour his love on you. Amen? Finally, he wants to encourage us. He watches us to encourage us. Scripture says, don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrow. See, God values us. And he does not want us to be fearful or be discouraged. And if you're a baseball person, you know that sometimes life throws us a curveball. We're about to strike out. But then the Father speaks encouragement to our heart. Probably you feel like that. I'm about to strike out. I don't know that I'm, I can make this. And then the Lord kind of speaks and he says, don't be afraid to step up to the plate. Then he begins to encourage us. He says, you can do it. That's what God is saying. I know you have been trying and, and it has been failing. But guess what? You can do it. And the Lord that comes and he speaks to our hearts and he says, I believe in you. I believe in you. You can do it. You can do it. I believe in you. You can fulfill that dream. You can accomplish that purpose. He says, if you only take one, it only takes one pitch to hit a home run. And I know you have been missing. Listen, even batters, it's kind of the average, no batter average 50% in baseball. And they are in the Hall of Fame. Listen, I'm not even trying to make 50%. 
I just want to hit a home run. Just, just one. God is saying, just, just, just keep, just keep facing the pitches. Because, listen, if you just connect with the strength of the Lord, it could turn everything around. Listen, listen, it takes one strike to hit a home run. Uh, just, just, just take one more shot and trust God. And if it don't work out, just take one more. I'm not asking you to take ten at a time. I'm just saying, just take one more. God comes to encourage. He says, sometimes we make one bad choice after another. Then turn around and do it again. It doesn't have to end there. Keep on trying. Keep on fighting. If it don't succeed at first, brush yourself off. Try again. A righteous man may fall seven times, but the Lord picks him up again. I like how Paul speaks to this in Philippians 3 from 12 to 14. It says, Not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. I'm not there yet. But one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, I don't have it all together, but I'm not where I started. Listen, I, I, I may be moving at Sinel's pace, but I am still moving. I mean, you may be moving like Usain Bolt. I'm okay being Usain Sinel. It don't matter. I'm still moving because I'm not, I'm running my own race. You ain't winning me. You're winning the devil. And I'm not the devil because even at Sinel pace, I'm going to win. I don't win because of the pace that I'm traveling and win because of who is fighting for me. Amen. 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 So, 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 I'm not watching you. You can sprint along, sprint along, sprint along. I'm going to stop and have some KFC on the way. You're just going through. You know some races, the men, they stop and they get the water to drink and stuff. You saying, Bull, don't have time for that? I get to enjoy my race. I do a marathon. I'm out here looking at the beauty of the city. Right? I mean, I can just slow down and sing. Don't matter. I don't need a medal that they have. Listen, as long as I finish, I get my gold. I, I don't get gold medals. I get crown. Yeah. You, I, there's a crown that is laid up for me. Amen. So, so, so you, you sprint along. You, you, you be your 9.65. I'll be my... 100.92. Doesn't deter me. It just see, it just seems that my life is a series of failure. Maybe that's how you're feeling this morning. But God encourages us that we can do better. And so Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Maybe you're here this morning and you say that nobody seems to understand me. Or care about me. Listen. He cares about you. In all our lives. He encourages us. To greater works. And love and faith. God is always saying to you. You can do better than this. You are better than this. Listen. You are better than you are right now. One, one of the first songs that I, 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 I learned growing up that really resonated with me in my teenage years was we had a, a youth, I think it was a youth conference, and the guy made up the song, and I don't even remember his name. He said, you're somewhere in the future, and you look much better than you look right now. Listen, God has better for you than your present circumstances. And every day he's telling you that. You're better than this. You're better than your present situation. So don't measure. Listen, just tell somebody beside you. Say, listen, you better get my autograph now. Because where I'm going, I may be busy right now. You, be, you better use your pen. They, they, they need to take it right now. Because where are you going to be? You understand me? You may not have time to sign. There's at that time. There's better. See, in the New Testament... 
there's a man who was named Barnabas. And they called him that name because um, it means son of encouragement. You see, he encouraged the believers to hang in there even when things were at their hardest. Jesus is our Barnabas. My question to us this morning is whose Barnabas are you? Jesus is our Barnabas, but whose Barnabas are you? Who are you encouraging as the day draw near? You see, there are people who are brink, on the brink of giving up on their faith, giving up on their marriage, giving up on their dreams, giving up on their hopes. And you meet them every day, and all they need is someone like you to say, there's better in store for you. It doesn't have to end this way. Keep on fighting. Keep on pressing. Keep on trusting. You see, in the game of life, God encourages us to love one another, to serve one another, bear one another's burden, forgive one another as he has forgiven us. So let not your heart be troubled. His tender word I hear. And resting and resting on his goodness, I lose my doubt and fears. Though my path he leads, but one step I may see. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. And so, he has his eye upon each of us, just as he does each sparrow. So be happy. You are far more precious to him than many sparrows. You are paid for by the blood of Jesus. He has his eyes on you. So keep your eyes on him. Amen. Listen, just bow your heads with me quickly. I want to pray for you this morning. If you're here, and I know sometimes it's very hard because theology and church has given us an idea of God that, that there's no way a holy God could enjoy dirty people like us. Oh, wretched man I am, who may save me from this life of sin? I believe that we are wretched, all wretched sinners. But God loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You are valuable. You are precious. Don't let people undervalue you. Don't let the circumstances of your life cause you to think less of yourself than the value that God Almighty has put on you. And that value is ever present and constant in the blood of Jesus. Maybe your thoughts of God engaging you is that he's coming to get you. He's coming to do bad things. He's coming to you know, give a bad account and all of that. Listen, he wants to engage you because he wants you to partner with him in what he's doing. And then he wants to encourage you. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like giving up. Giving up on your marriage. Giving up on your, your dream. Giving up on your purpose. Giving up on your vision. Even giving up on your faith. You're thinking like, I can't bother with this Christian life anymore. It, I mean, I could be doing better all by myself. Lord says, just one more strike. Maybe God gave you a plan and you tried it at first, it never worked. You, you tried it a second time, it never worked. You tried it a third time, it never worked. Listen, just one more swing. Don't give in. Just, just for one minute, I just want you to heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to pray for you. But I know that there are some of you who God is just giving words of encouragement in this moment. And then there are some of you who just need to say, God, I thank you for enjoying me. Hallelujah. I'm going to invite the worship team to come with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person in this room. God, we 
thank you that you are our heavenly father who enjoys us we are more valuable than the sparrows you take time out to number every hair on our heads we are precious in your sight the apple of your eye fearfully and wonderfully made in your image and in your likeness we thank you for ever engaging us lord god for walking through the valley of the shadow of death with us for being in the fiery furnace with us for going through the flood waters with us for being with us in the lions den we thank you that on the mountain top you're there when we have our biggest promotions you're there because you promised that you'd never leave us nor forsake us we thank you lord god that when we feel like giving up we feel like rolling in the towel you come and you encourage us to fight again to try again to trust again to hope again and to believe again god we pray that as we as we walk this week that we will be someone else's barnabas in the same way you have been a barnabas to us by encouraging us may we encourage others to hold on to stay strong to keep believing to keep trusting in the lord god almighty we thank you lord we bless you and honor you in jesus name listen i'm going to ask you to stand to your feet with me this morning and listen if if you're here this morning and you have never accepted jesus christ as lord and savior it the scripture says this he speaks about the sparrow and he says your heavenly father the truth is a lot of what we spoke about this morning really applies to those who have made the father their heavenly father and and maybe you need to do that you need to you need to acknowledge him as your lord and your savior and say that to you this morning and he say i want him to be my father so he can watch over me listen i'm going to pray a very simple prayer and all you have to do is repeat this prayer but if you say the prayer without believing in your heart then it will be pointless so if you want to give your life to him you want to recommit your life to him i just want you to lift your hand wherever you are this morning Don't be afraid. And just say heavenly father, I'm a sinner needing forgiveness. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I'm a sinner needing salvation. Save me from my sins. I surrender my life to you right now. Come into my heart and be my lord and my savior. I believe in your son Jesus Christ. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe that he was buried, but now he's resurrected and seated at your right hand. Thank you for saving me in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Come on, class. Hallelujah.